You are the master of your reality. This is even more true in relation to the government. Democracy doesn't just happen. It takes participation. Governments need participation and feedback from their citizens. Join Rob Hutchinson for Dear Parliament, where you get to understand the issues and engage directly with government. Dear Parliament is every Wednesday at midday, only on 101.9 High FM. We are chatting about six Western Cape municipalities that are going off off grid and getting away from ESCOM to avoid load shedding. Is this a good idea? Well, we're chatting with with our special guest today, Honourable Deirdre Bartman, who's a member of the Western Cape Provincial Parliament, chairperson of Standing Committee of Finance, uh, Economic Opportunities and Tourism. She's also the chairperson of the Budget Committee and member of the Agriculture, Environmental Affairs and Development Planning Committee. That's not all. She's a member of Public Accounts Committee and a member of the Conduct Committee and member of the Ad Hoc Committee on COVID-19. Good day, Deirdre. How are you? Hi, Rob. Thank you so much and for the the extensive in- introduction. Um, I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Fantastic. Cannot complain. Yes, well, it's quite a resume they have there, which seems to me to be a lot of work that you you have to do with, with within your province. One of the major things that uh, is big news news lately is the announcement that six Western Cape municipalities will be going off grid. Would you, and this is, I think it's a part of your municipal energy resi- resilience project. Um, which are these municipalities and how are you going to do this? Thank you, Rob. So as we all know, load shedding has been an absolute pain for businesses. It has been a pain for households. Um, and, and energy is, it's about jobs and energy is about safety and energy is about well-being. And because we simply cannot wait for for energy security from a national um, level as a province and the provincial uh, government of the Western Cape has decided to, um, through the Department of Economic Development and Tourism leading, introduce a municipal energy resilience project. And um, it's also partnered with the Department of Local Government as well as the Provincial Treasury. And the aim of this project is to ensure that Western Cape municipalities are able to take advantage of the new energy regulations and be on the leading edge of purchasing energy directly from independent power producers. It will, it will help municipalities to understand, to meet requirements of the energy regulations, as well as uh, mitigate risks and capacity requirements, which are often inherent with uh, pursuing municipal energy project development and procurement from, from IPPs. And the, the procurement of energy at utility, utility scale and distribution scale. So this is, for example, when you get bulk energy from IPPs um, and under conditions of developing and evolving policies and regulations is often a complex and challenging task. So municipalities may not necessarily all have the policies or the plans, the resources, the funding or the procurement expertise to procure wholesale electricity from sources other than ESCOM. So so this is the aim of, of this project is to be able to assist in those particular gaps. It's, for example, does the municipality have electricity reticulation and distribution systems? Have they been 
technically evaluated um, to check their readiness for the implementation of electricity generation. Um, you have to ask yourself, where's the business study? You have to ask yourself, where's the MOU? Where's the feasibility study? You have to ask yourself, how is the procurement going to happen? Do you have technical expertise? So what the Western Cape has done in order to identify municipalities, which comes to your second question, is that the the, the participating candidate municipalities were selected through what um, methodology called essentially the municipal readiness evaluation tool. And this, this tool enables the identification of the municipal grid capacity, your technical capacity, your financial standing, and other gaps and developments uh, needed for further renewable energy project preparation, development, and implementation that may need to be addressed. So you will look at things like your senior municipal staff management and financial skills and capacities, which relates often to your municipal manager or your CFO. You will look at your municipal energy department technical skills and capacity, which is often your technical or your electrical engineer. What is your overall financial standing or the credit rating within your municipality? Um, and that often relates to your, your, your audit outcome, your cash balance, your, your cash coverage, the spend of your capital budget, your liquidity ratio, your current debt is collection rate and income. And you'd also have to look at what, what energy policies and bylaws does the municipality already have in place, as well as what other energy projects are currently in the municipality. And through that, through identifying these, these criteria, the, the six uh, candidate municipalities were selected. And the six candidate municipalities are Drakenstein, Mossel Bay, Overstrand, Saldana Bay, Stellenbosch, and Swartland. And these six are in addition to the fact that the city of Cape Town is also currently a collaborative partner on the MER project, um, as it is the largest energy user in the, pro in the province, and has already publicly progressed plans on IPP procurement, as well as other renewable energy projects. And that is more uh, a little bit of a nutshell as to what the project is about. <laughs> That's a large <laughs> nutshell, as it may be. Yes, <laughs> no, wonderful. It sounds fantastic. It all sounds very technical as, as well, um, and you've obviously considered taking a lot of factors into consideration there, uh, most notably around the financial status of of the municipality, as as we know, around eighty five percent of the, the municipalities in South Africa are are failing due to financial constraints, and most of those uh, constraints are based around issues with um, energy and electricity payments, for either coming from consumers or uh, payments straight straight through to, to ESCOM. Um, you mentioned an, an interesting uh, angle there, which was uh, renewable energy. Is this all based around renewable energy projects, or are there other, other options here within the... Uh, independent power producers. So um, renewable energy is obviously not the only alternative energy, um, as well as when it comes to when it comes to payments by municipalities. Um, in the Western Cape, we are we are quite good with with payments to to ESCOM at the moment. I know that there has been an indication from NERSA as to well, if municipalities aren't able to pay their bills, mm. then then how are they going to do this? And and 
as, as I've mentioned earlier, one of the key factors that we have to take into account when we roll this out is, are you a municipal uh, municipality in good financial standing? What is your credit rating? What does your cash balance look like? What is your audit outcome? So the reason these six uh, municipalities are also chosen is because those particular financial factors have already been consulted. Um, you will also notice that none of these six municipalities currently owe ESCOM anything. Um, and if you listen to, for example, what the ESCOM uh, CEO um, has mentioned during the Africa Energy in Daba is, is ESCOM wants renewable energy to come onto the grid because it will also alleviate the pressure that is currently on ESCOM. It will alleviate uh, uh, the, the operations and it will also allow them to also focus on other things such as maintenance at the, at the various stations. So I don't think that uh, we are speaking a different language to ESCOM. ESCOM might be speaking a different language to NERSA, and that might be, for for let us be honest, that might simply be because of jealousy. If if another if if you as a municipality are is able to procure energy from a different source, it opens up the market, it creates competition, and the same way that cell phone technology leapfrogged over the years, the same way that cell phone banking in Africa has leapfrogged compared to other continents over the years. Um, energy has the same potential to leapfrog when you really open up uh, the trade and open up the market. Mm-hmm. And you can you can have various different types of, of energy that can either be procured or, or being brought into the market or being focused on. You some some might focus on your municipal utility scale procurement from IPPs, which are often your large scale wind and solar farms. Some might focus on your distributed generation, um, such as building new generation capacity to improve your municipal resilience, um, such as, for example, your own generation station or your own wastewater treatment plant, perhaps, or solar PV above 10 megawatt, or you might want to introduce wheeling in your municipality where one consumer sends in the simplest form, you know, sends electricity to another user. You might, you might want, um, New energy self-generation at small-scale embedded generation scale, which uh, majority of the Western Cape, Western Cape municipalities already have policies and feed-in tariffs for. And this is often your your rooftop solar panel, your PV systems on commercial and households. And you might you might want to focus on energy storage, which is often large-scale battery storage at utility and sub-utility scale. And an example of that could be, for example, containerized battery units through your backup power systems for rooftop PV. And then you also have, for example, liquefied uh, natural uh, gas, which can be imported through um, ports such as the Saldana Bay um, IDZ port as well as the port by Mossel Bay. Um, which is which is uh, very hopeful, given that Total has already indicated two discoveries in that area, and um, despite you know they had to obviously now leave because the first phase has been completed, but hopefully they will decide. Actually, this is a, a bankable case. This is a is a, a good business opportunity, and hopefully they'll come back. But even if they develop that gas, it will take at least ten years 
for for it to be completely explored. So a better option essentially is to to import liquefied natural gas through the Saldano Bay IDZ and that particular port. Hopefully, ESCOM can come to the to the table as the major off-taker, and Transnet Ports Authority can also come to the table with the upgrading of the infrastructure in that area because you would also need new pipelines and things like that. And um, and at Atlantis, for example, at these special economic zone, we're already investing in infrastructure. We're investing. Um, uh, with regards to possibly bringing a 1,000 megawatt natural gas IPP um, on the grid in that area. So you have various types of ways to bring energy into the market, but if we can just ensure that the legislation enables us to do so, if we can ensure that we continue the pressure for bringing renewable and alternative energy into into the market, it will assist businesses and households and individuals and assist the Western Cape in bringing energy security to the people. Because it doesn't help you have a lot of fancy systems and a lot of fancy infrastructure and you know exactly what you're going to do, but people are still eating food in the dark and eating cold <laughs> food in the dark. Absolutely, and that seems to be a common common problem in, in the South African government is where we have these fantastic ideas and brilliant, brilliant plans and, and strategies on paper, but certainly not the ability to actually roll them out or, or, or realize these these wonderful, wonderful projects. Now, you you mentioned another very important thing, there, and that is the restrictive legislation that might perhaps uh, prevent this, this fantastic idea from being being rolled out. There, there could be a conflict with the national energy policies um, as regards to uh, what the local municipalities want to do and what you want to do on a provincial level. Is there, uh, are you receiving conflict or is there a plan to uh, address the, well, you mentioned there is a plan to keep pressure on government to amend certain legislation, but what is that going to happen realistically? Do you see that coming about or is is it going to be a constant uh, conflict and shutdown from ESCOM or from our uh, energy minister as, as as such? How will we overcome those those problems? Thank you, Rob. Um, I think, and I think we also saw this during the Africa Energy in Daba with what the stakeholders and the industry experts were saying. Is two of the biggest um, concerns for for any private company is often is is there clarity in terms of legislation and policy? And is there political will? Because if there's no political will, then the best plans in the world will not create the project and have the project implemented. Mm. And um, when it comes to some of the statements that the National Minister of, of Resources and Energy, Minister Mantasha, um, has made previously, um, I, I do think that he often struggles with the balance between between let us implement based on evidence and the research before us and struggling often with some of the industries 
um, and the labor unions that may not necessarily agree with the government in terms of the, of the, the, IR, the latest IRP. And, and this is where someone like the president in his, in his capacity needs to step in because the president was also um, previously in charge of ESCOM Dure as when he was deputy president. We also have, for example, yeah, he was, he was in charge of ESCOM, the turnaround, and we're still waiting for ESCOM to be turned around. And, and you, you have these wonderful regulations, you know, with the wonderful English wording on top of the regulations saying we're going to now implement, you know, and allow for IPPs and so on. But then you have to make sure that the wording that you use in your regulation is clear. I mean, if we are able to bring out regulations overnight, drafted overnight for COVID, and we've now seen it's possible. We've Thank seen you. actually the East capacity, the East resources. We have the ability to draft regulations overnight, although all might not necessarily have been as clear either. But if we are able to do that, then what prevents us from fast-tracking the adequate and appropriate legislation for energy? What prevents us from ensuring that, for example, legislation regarding downstream um, of the of the oil and gas industry is being brought before Parliament? It's 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 all political will, and we need to keep that pressure because. We, we are going to continue eating cold food in the dark. You know, if you are, for example, a, a female entrepreneur and you're closing up shop after work and, and it's getting late and it's winter time and now you're also walking home and now the electricity, it's low cheating and the, the lights are not working on the street. That is a safety issue. So energy speaks to, it speaks to jobs. It speaks to safety. It speaks to well-being. I mean, I remember when load shedding started years ago and I actually, you know, at that stage studied my matric exams with a candle. And it's just a horrific image to have that you have to study with a candle. And it's considered the 20th and the 21st century. It's madness. It, it's absolute madness. There's certainly a, a lot to consider, and there are definite, absolute, recognizable benefits to municipalities going going off grid. There, we're going to take a, a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue this fantastic and insightful chat with Deirdre, Deirdre Bartman on municipalities going off grid. Stay with us as we come back after the break. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. Deirdre Bartman, a member of the Western Cape Provincial Legislature, about six municipalities doing a wonderful thing of, of, of going off, off grid. Now, Deirdre, how, how does this affect electricity prices, levies and, and tariffs, considering that they are buying uh, directly from a uh, independent power producers. Uh, thank you, Rob. So when it comes to the respective municipalities, if, if you are going to procure from IPPs, um, then some of the of the uh, evidence that you need to 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 have with you is your is your feasibility studies. You need to have your roadmap. You need to have an electricity master plan. You need to have cost of supply. You need to have your financial and revenue tariff models. Um, and these are, these are the type of documentation that municipalities will need to research. And what we've done as the province is 
because earlier we've said that not all municipalities will necessarily have the funding, the means, or the capacity to 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 research all of these respective matters. So as a province, we are obviously using the Municipal Energy Resilience Project to assist in those gaps and to to getting the the IPPs online from from start to finish. And we've, as a province, these two service providers have been appointed in order to assist in in this particular in this particular regard. And it's regarding the project development services as well as the strategic advisory services. And when it comes to when it comes to your project development services, there's about 14 uh, experts and individuals now employed with the. Project development services, um, and four with the strategic advisory services, and those um, is what we have now procured. With the one um, completing hopefully by mid 2021, and the other completing hopefully by about mid 2023. And when it comes to the project development phase, uh, you would look uh, at the expertise, such as. Um, the energy and or catalytic infrastructure uh, management that they've had in complex projects and programs previously. Have they had experience with business case development and evaluation? Has there been um, uh, experience within the project prioritization as well as energy-related policy and legislation? Do they have expertise or understanding of financial and economic and legal um, um, matters related to the projects? Do they understand, for example, blended finance? And strategic advisory um, is, is also quite similar, but that's also to, to ask whether your, or your experts in your municipalities have experience in national or regional integrated programs. Um, do they have also, again, energy-related experience? Do they understand how infrastructure works? Do they understand... Uh, how to involve multiple project stakeholders within a, within a program. One of your stakeholders is going to be the public. Do you understand uh, regular communication regarding public participation? Um, do you have the relevant academic qualifications? And these are these are all things that either you need to look at as a municipality in order to ensure that the IPPs come online successfully. Or it is something that as a province we have now said, okay, where there are gaps with the respective municipalities, how can we assist and how can these consultants that we've now brought on board be able to assist the municipalities where obviously there may, may be gaps? Mm. Now, that's, that sounds absolutely fantastic and it, it certainly does, does appear that you have done extensive uh, research and, and your homework in, into this whole, this whole rollout. Um, one, one of the mentions in, in your, in the budget presentation was the allocation of 48.8 million rand over the medium term and a further 20 million rand in provincial reserves to assist this project. That, that will certainly go a long way towards helping out consumers, helping out uh, get rolling out this project and hopefully alleviating a lot of the fears, the common fears that do go around um, uh, local procurement of, of electricity. Uh, the major question most consumers might ask is, or that you, perhaps that you should be asking major consumers is, would they pay more for reliable always-on power? I, I know I certainly would. It's the, the cost to, to business 
when when there's there's an outage or during load shedding is immense. And you also mentioned there around 75 million rand per stage per day in 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 the Western Cape. So there again, if if the local procurement does does cost more, would would consumers be willing to to pay more? Uh, Perhaps, perhaps consumers can actually let us know on, on our SMS line. That's 34519. Would you pay more for online, always on reliable electricity or is, is cost a major concern in, in, in the procurement? And perhaps, Deirdre, I think maybe, um, that is a question that we need to be asking. Any thoughts on, on that? Would people pay more for reliable, always on power? Thank you, Rob. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to use two examples. The first example is that in the previous bid window of the independent uh, power producers, the energy that we are paying is already cheaper than what we are getting from ESCOM. That's the first part, and that's a South African example. The second part is um, recently in a bid in Israel, um, for example, there was uh, the bid went for five U.S. cents per kilowatt an hour for solar and wind. And that's ridiculous. That's, that's yeah. if you, so, so energy in the moment, uh, in the sector is essentially walking the same, uh, walking the same road that cell phones walked and that yeah. some of technology walked over the years. So back in the day, you would be spending a, a big amount on, on cell phones and you would probably be complaining about how expensive your cell phone was and, very few functionalities. And now it's almost as if when there's a problem with your cell phone, you just want to buy a new one. You don't necessarily even think of, of fixing the cell phone because fixing the cell phone might actually be more expensive than purchasing a new one. So what we're seeing in the market at the moment is that energy is walking that same road. So I, I do doubt that, that the energy that you'd be paying in your municipality, if, um, if, for example, it was procured through IPPs, would end up being more than, than the price paid by ESCOM. Um, because at the moment, municipalities can only really um, get energy from one major source. And that major source is ESCOM. So we also can't blame municipalities if they say, listen here, 90% of what we get is from ESCOM, which is why our prices are so high. So what we want is for prices to be cheaper. And our method of getting prices to come down is then to diversify our, our energy procurement, possibly generating it ourselves, Possibly, you know, as far as possible, allowing almost every household to become an energy power station so that if you put solar up on your roof, how can we get you to put your energy back into the grid? How can you essentially also become a mini power station? And when you look at a generation, I mean, in Vietnam, we also have the one megawatt um, threshold. But Vietnam um, similarly lifted their provision to 10 megawatts. And within one year, they added about, I think it was 7.2 gigawatts to to the grid. So it's not just, yes, it's cheaper electricity and perhaps some, some businesses might be even comfortable to pay higher pricing for reliable uninterrupted energy, but it is, but it's just, it's both cheaper electricity and in an uninterrupted supply so that we can get the economy moving again. 
That is absolutely brilliant news, and I think that is what every every listener uh, want, wants to hear at at the end of the day. That's fantastic, Deirdre. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting to you. Um, there is so much more we could possibly chat about, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you, to you again in the near future. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on this platform, Rob.